0: Do you own firearms? Did you know there's an easy way for you to let everyone around you quickly see whether your firearm is loaded or unloaded? Well, meet muzzlestick, barrel, and chamber flags. Muzzlestick, chamber, and barrel flags offer a quick way for anyone, whether they handle firearms or not, to quickly see the loaded or unloaded status of a firearm. And that could save lives. Are you one of the nearly 80% of firearms owners that keep a loaded gun out of the safe for personal protection, taking an extra safety precaution by using Muzzle Stick's big, bright barrel and chamber flags will let everyone around your firearm know if it is loaded or unloaded. Muzzle Stick does not recommend keeping a loaded firearm outside of a gun safe, but the reality is that some firearm owners do clearly marking a gun status, communicates to others around that may or may not have firearm handling experience that it is something that they would not want to handle. Muzzlestick is not intended to replace the rules of firearm safety. However, their chamber and barrel flags give firearms rapid and clear identification, which could result in saved lives. It's time for you to do everything you can to be a safe and responsible firearms owners head over to muzzlestick.com that's m u z l s t i k.com today to place your order after all we all only have but one life Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. I may actually get in trouble for introducing you that way, but this is Jack Fowler, and I'm the host (laughs) of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. We are recording on Monday, March 28th, and this podcast is going to be uploaded on the last day of March. Thursday, I think that's the 31st. So Victor is the star of the show. He is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Busky Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. You will find everything he writes, some of it behind a paywall at victorhanson.com. And we're going to get the show started today, Victor, by talking about pronouns and, and things you're not allowed to say anymore. Maybe we'll talk about the Oscars, too, and we'll do that We're back with the Victor Davis Hansen show. Ladies, gentlemen, Victor, guess what? That kind of introduction is now uh, forbidden on the left. Now, my my pal, former colleague at National Review, Judd Berger, wrote a piece. It's actually a headline, ladies and gentlemen, is offensive and other lessons from prestigious pronoun guides. So get this, Victor. I'm sure you understand this. I'm sure you've seen this at, at Stanford. Many schools now have these guides on what you can say and what you can't say and what pronouns you can use. And it's gone a lot beyond this using they instead of him or her. So here's, here's from the University of Maryland. Let me just read this quickly. Using context clues, we can infer that quote-unquote binary assumptive Means bad. What is, ladies and gentlemen, is binary assumptive language? I don't even know what the hell that means. The University of Maryland Guide lists several terms that apparently fall under this category and generally should be avoided as a result. They include ladies and gentlemen and more, boys and girls, men and women of the faculty, brothers and sisters, he or she, sir, madam, and then that she thing, the S with a slash H E. Victor, there are a lot of other places that are promoting. Uh, these kinds of insanity, gender neutral, et cetera, terminology. It's not the greatest and most important thing we're facing in this massive culture war, but it's worthy of your comment. What do you have to say?
1: You know, I was completely flabbergasted when I started, you know, usually when you're in a university environment, you get these self-serving memos. I just want to explain that there was an incident on campus, and this is not who we are, and this will not be taught. It's usually some you know, I hate to say it, but usually it's a contrived racial incident where somebody wrote the N-word that, you know, it was not some white alt-right person that went on the campus or something. But nevertheless, that gives them an excuse to tell everybody that I am a dean, I'm a vice provost, and I wanted to be a president someday, and I'm going to have a record here of being socially awoken more than anybody. But my point is, I started looking at these things and they would write these little words with they or they or underneath their name. And I couldn't understand what it was for. It was some kind of little virtue signal that they were non-binary in their reference. But what's very strange about it, Jack, is that as a philologist, and, you know, my, I studied in a program that wasn't just classics like literature. It was classical philology. But part of that tradition was the beauty and the complexity and the intricacy of the highly inflected languages like Latin and Greek were that they had a masculine gender, a neuter, and a female gender. And unlike English that had the Germanic and Anglo-Saxon emphases, although they have a lot of, of Romance language vocabulary and some grammar, that the modern successors to these classical languages whether it was modern greek or whether it was spanish or french kept that distinction to a much greater degree so when you say they they it was sort of inexact it could be mass but it didn't really tell you anything whereas in latin if you had illy or illi that was much superior, or if you had hoy or hi for the in the plural, you knew exactly by that article, as well as the case ending of the noun, whether it was female or masculine, or it was non-binary and neuter. So, what I'm getting at is that we're going regressive. We're going, let's use the inexact, less sophisticated they from the other tradition rather than a highly complex languages that makes no gives no avenue for ambiguity as far as gender. And again, it's less than 1% of the population is indicting the 99.5% of the other population and saying we have the power because of social media or academia or Wall Street, we have the power to not only change your use of a language, but we can make life really uncomfortable because 10% of people on the internet 5% 5% can dox you, can deplatform you, can right. cancel you, can also, That's who's doing it, about 5%. And I think at some point, it's all tied up, as we said in the prior podcast with the midterm. At some point, 55, 65% of the population are going to say no. Not this non-hick porcus, not this pig. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be roasted anymore. Say what you want. You do your worst. I'll do my best. May the best person win. But I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to be ostracized. I'm not going to be bullied by the likes of you. I'm sorry. And Leah Thomas is not a female. She's, she's taking advantage of her superior innate strength and her inborn muscularity. And she's abusing the rights of women and female athletes. And she's destroying the aspirations of thousands of young women. If she's successful in institutionalizing this abuse, I'm sorry, we're not going to apologize for that. And I think a lot of people are going to do that. And yet they're going to be bullied. And I know that I work in a university climate where I've, A number of times incurred the wrath of anonymous, but sometimes non-anonymous critics. And they do the same thing. They go on social media. They go letters to the school paper. They do everything to try to intimidate you with the idea that you're a destroyer and you're cruising, and they're a battleship, and they put 16-inch shells all around the periphery of your ship, and then they sort of signal with their lights to you, the next one is going to sink you. So you better reverse course. And that's what they want to do, provide deterrence. And you can't let them do it.
0: Well, Victor, you've got a piece out. Let's combine these, if you don't mind, these two topics I mentioned before. We'll talk about the Oscars, but not the the slap in the face Oscars that actually happened the other night. But a day or two prior news came out that the Academy Awards, the institution that oversees the Oscars, was implementing this diversity initiative, which states that no film would be considered for an Oscar or actors, best actor, best actress, et cetera, all the categories. If the production of the film did not meet all these race gender criteria. So it's affirmative action for movies in order for that movie to be considered for Oscars. A little bit of me thinks, you know, who cares about the Oscars anymore? I mean, I want to watch them to see a slap fight <laughs> go on maybe now, but but does anybody really give a rat's patoot? But to me, Victor, so that's one thing maybe worth your comment, but it also seems like a whistling past the uh, graveyard that these elites of the elites are still enmeshed in this insanity while, now here's your, the piece you wrote recently, there's a real reset coming. That's the, that's the title of this article you wrote last week for American Greatness. And you more than just kind of referred to this reset. And here's just one sentence from it. In truth, we are about to see a radical reset of the current reset. It will be a different sort of transformation than the elites are expecting and one that they should greatly fear. I find that really interesting, Victor. Tell us a little more about the reset and why should elites like the kind of people that create these cockamamie Oscar rules be fearing?
1: Because at some point, language and behavior has to do two things. It has to represent or sync with reality reality. And it has to represent human nature. So when you look at Hollywood, and they say that the following groups are going to have special preferences based on historical or current bias, and we know that many of these people, Will Smith, for example, multimillionaire, very talented, no doubt, but this idea that we're not going to look at class or income, or we're going to tell some particular guy who you know, went from Elko, Nevada and drove to Hollywood one day and he mastered sound techniques and he can't get a job because he's Ukrainian American. And we're going to have an African American guy who's the nephew of, I don't know, Chris Rock. And he's going, that's not tenable. Or when you have these people lecturing all about Ukraine and all about the moral duties of us as they go back home tonight in Malibu and they get on their waiting list for their panic $1 million room. In other words, they're telling the rest of the country, we support decriminalization. But unlike you idiots, we have the money to buy a $1 million panic room for our Malibu or Pacific Palisades estate when they come after us. That's not sustainable. Or when they lecture about our moral compass. And they basically this is the same Hollywood that has been discriminating against African-American actors. So we're told by discouraging some darker skin actors from appearing in movies that either have Chinese financing or depend on the Chinese market, because we know that China, who accuses everybody of being a racist, is the most racialist country in the world. So that's not sustainable. And that's what is driving people crazy in Hollywood. And I could ditto that with the NBA, a LeBron James figure, or I could ditto it with Jesse Smollett. And that's just the identity politics. I could I could ditto it with the border and the idea that if you're a Punjabi American and you've waited for five years. Legally, you played by every rule and statute. You spent thousands of dollars and somebody just walks across the border or you're a Cuban refugee and you've been exploited in Cuba and you've risked your life to get here. And they said, sorry, no right wing Cubans allowed. No right wing Russians allowed coming across the border illegally. If you're from a gang in South Salvador, we want you. But we do not want a neurosurgeon from Russia. I'm sorry. That's not sustainable. The energy policy is not sustainable. You can't say to a fracker in Alaska or a horizontal driller in North Dakota, you are a filthy, dirty industry, and we don't want any more of you. So we're going to cut back and then go right around to Iran and said, how much money do you need to get that bomb? Because we want you to pump more oil and you can break the sand. That's not sustainable. And finally, it's not sustainable, Jack, for this media to have hidden and covered up for and contextualize every boneheaded, stupid, idiot expression that Joe Biden made to that campaign and put him like a 19th century Garfield campaign in his basement where he never ventured forth or he went to a rally where they honked their horns of 10 cars and they declared that, you know, beautiful they put him in there, they're covering, and you know what? They can't do it. It's not sustainable. Every time the man opens his mouth, it's an indictment of that media that created this, responsible for it, and people won't forget. And you put all of that together, and I'm not even going to get into other areas like inflation or gas price, etc. but you put it all together, and people are angry, and they're going to reset. And by reset, they're going to just vote. A lot of people are going to in a congressional district. I know that 93 percent of all incumbents win, but they're going to look at a person that's a Democrat and they're going to say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to vote for you. I'm going to say I'm going to vote for you. I might even give you money. But when I get in the privacy of my mail-in ballot or that ballot booth, I'm not going to vote for you because you don't care whether I get smashed and grabbed or carjacked. Are assaulted, or don't have gas, or i am short food. You don't care because you're voting for an agenda and a team that is doing this to me, and I think it's going to be a very powerful wake up call. I think it's going to be more than the nineteen seventy two pushback against George McGovern candidacy and the high, first hijacking of the Democratic Party. I think it's going to be much greater than the Reagan revolution that pushback against Jimmy Carter, and we'll see. It's a very, you know, life, I believe in divinity, a Christian God. And I feel that that there's a yin and a yang, a nemesis, what comes around goes around. But there has been so much excess on the left and so much hubris and arrogance and out of controlled hostility that there's some type of balance in, in working. And I think it's going to really be fundamental in a way that we cannot appreciate now when you have NBC news yesterday come out and essentially say that Joe Biden only has 41% approval from NBC and you look at those polls mammoth poll god he's like 17 16 points down it's incredible and I, and, and those are still left wing right. polls and, so and
0: and we, and we I kind of believe they could get even worse i mean
1: right what would stop them there's no bottom is there because, right If this was Barack Obama or this was George W. Bush or even Donald Trump, people would probably say, you can't say that again. It's not in your interest. And he might be careful, maybe not Trump so much. But with this, you can't tell this man, don't say tomorrow he can say he's going to news you. He can say anything at any time. And he has none of the redeeming factors that Trump does. Trump was deterrent. So when he said my button is bigger than yours to North Korea, He was deterring North Korea because he had taken out Baghdadi. He had taken out Soleimani. He had moved the embassy to Jerusalem. He had killed 200 Russian mercenaries. He had sold javelins to Ukraine. The North Koreans knew that. But with Joe Biden, when he talks stuff, they think, oh, yeah, look at Afghanistan. Look at begging Putin to pump oil. Look at begging him to not hack this and that. And that's the difference in why it's really scary. Victor, California
0: is losing population. Its big cities are same. New York, Manhattan. So headline: a population is down seven percent in the last year or two. And not unrelated, New York cops are getting vilified and punished. And we're going to talk about that right after these important messages. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'd like to recommend to our listeners to visit victorhanson.com and subscribe, $5. Try it just for five bucks. Test it out and you will see there's a tremendous amount of original content. Ultra content is how it's labeled. Subscribe for $50 a year. That's a hell of a lot cheaper than a lot of magazine subscriptions and you'll get a hell of a lot more copy than you would see in a typical magazine. So Victor on hot air, it's a piece by John Sexton, who is covering the significant decline in population in a number of California cities. I mentioned already New York, Manhattan, I should say, population is down 7%. And hold off on your attacks if you can on Gavin Newsom, because I think we want to end the podcast talking about Newsom and, and a couple of other governors. I'm making an assumption you were going to attack him. You Forgive me if I assume wrong. And then in New York, again, don't think it's unrelated. Here's a headline from the Daily Mail the other day. The cops were just doing what they were told. New York Police Department Union boss slams former New York Mayor Bill de Blasio after, get this, Victor, 104 cops were found guilty of misconduct during the 2020 violent clashes with Black Lives Matters protesters. And I believe there were either none or scant charges filed against and convictions against any of the Black Lives Matters protesters in Manhattan who turned it into a ghost town and a hellhole. And and it still hasn't recovered. And I don't think it ever really will totally recover. So yeah, Victor, people are voting with their feet, moving out of these big cities. Why would you be a cop in a big city anymore? Anyway, there's a basket. What are your thoughts about these, I think, related stories?
1: Yes. I mean, In all of this week's news, there's story after story that particular cities, that is the marquee blue cities, blue state cities, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, are losing population six to eight to nine percent. And then cities that are in blue states, you know, for it's Austin or Dallas or Knoxville or Nashville or the Florida cities are gaining population. Of course, the subtext that the left can't say is that these red states are well run. They have balanced budgets. They have low taxation rates. They try to encourage commerce. They don't go after construction or frackers or timber people, etc. And People find that when they move there, the quality of life, especially in terms of the local DA or the county prosecutor or the deterrent police force makes life as it should be. But in the blue states, it's dysfunctional. So people who believe in the theory of the blue state governance don't want to live with the consequences of their own ideology. So they move to red states. And then the $64,000 question, Jack, I should say questions are twofold. One When they do move to Dallas or Austin or Knoxville or Provo, do they destroy their community? In other words, do they bring their ideology with them and either inadvertently or by design do they say to themselves, well, this is a really good place, but I don't like these people who made me want to come here because they refuted my ideology. So let's start greening this country. Let's start suing contractors. Let's demand bike paths through downtown. Let's make more high rises. Let's go after the suburban. Let's call this person racist and destroy it. And let's get more homeless people. I don't know the answer to that. Sometimes uh, when I go to Austin, it seems to be on a trajectory that is similar in many parts of the city to San Francisco or Los Angeles. And it seems like to be California and Texas. Everybody there seems to be from California. But when I go to Boise, on the other hand, there's a lot of Californians in Boise and they tend to be more conservative than I don't, if that's possible from people. Idaho, they don't go to Idaho for the same reason that people go to Austin. That may be the difference. So that's, that jury's out. The second thing is that we are in a housing boom in California. I shouldn't say boom in the sense of creating a lot of new units, but we're getting up to about $1,000 a square foot from Berkeley to La Jolla within 10 or 15 miles of the coast. Even where I am here in the Central Valley, we're up to three to $500 a square foot. And it's not based on market realities. It's based on the fact that Joe Biden's economy is so dysfunctional that everything from copper pipe to copper wire to sheetrock to roofing materials have really increased the price of a new home. And therefore, people say, well, I'll look at that used home, just like with new cars, their scarcity or their expense spiked the price of used cars. So it's a tight housing market. And when you add zero de facto negative interest rates, eight to nine percent annualized inflation, two to 3% until recently, 30-year mortgages, why not stick the bank with that 6% loss, take a huge loan, buy a house you can't afford, pay no de facto, income, and that's what's done it. But if you tinker just a little bit with that interest rate and now it's going up and up, If notice what's happening with the banks, Jack, they're not increasing the interest rates commiserately with the Fed, They're saying the Fed is putting the brakes on and they're really gonna slam on the brakes. So interest rates commercially are going up higher, much higher than the Fed. I think we're gonna get it to seven or 8% by the end of the year, home mortgages. And that's gonna really curtail new construction and even real estate movement. And what that is combined with 8% to 10% loss in California cities to other states, you could see a radical collapse of the housing market. And I think, as I mentioned, I had a member of my family, I wanna help buy a home. And I went over in July of 2020 during the COVID epidemic. And the whole new housing development on the coast was shut down basically, but they did have one open house. And the price I was quoted for was $850,000 for 3,000 square feet which I thought was for California, you know, anything less than $300 a square foot with a lot is pretty good. I signed up, but the next thing I knew, it started to go up 50, 50, 50. And I said, I'm not going to wait a year to have this house built and commit when I don't know what the price is. Well, that house now, Jack, is at 1.6 million. That's unsustainable. And that's going to crash. And so this blue state, red state, People are voting with their feet for a paradigm. The only thing that I don't understand, and maybe the listeners or you can enlighten me, Jack, is people act in one way on the ground according to truth, and then the elites dissimulate according to lies. So, what does the media say about all this? Do they understand that they write and say that Blues New York is a vibrant, great place to be in the Upper West Side? And if you can go to hate Ashbury or something. It's it's a hipster's delight in San Francisco. But then privately, they think, mm, I think I'm going to go over out into the suburbs or get away from this. They don't explain to us why people are rejecting their own ideology with their feet.
0: Well, the town I live in is a suburb of New York, although it's kind of Pluto in the solar system, but still, it's commutable. And when the you know what hit the fan a couple of years ago, it was the Real estate market here went through the roof because of people getting out of New York City with cash. Sight unseen is the money. Of course, if you live here and your children want to buy a house here, guess what? They're screwed. And where can they go
1: to? I know that you hit the nail on the head, Jack. And our listeners were thinking when I was talking, they said, yeah, Victor, that sounds okay. But you yourself for the sixth generation to live in a house and we have family and grand, we don't want to move. Every Californian doesn't want to move. It's the most beautiful place in the world, California. It used to be the best run state in the world. It used to be the avatar of the United States. It used to be the model. Everything from the clover leaf to the water project, uh, you name it, It's to a sophisticated modern airport. God, when I was a kid, LAX was the model. So was SFO. But they took paradise and they created hell on earth. And then places that were naturally hell on earth, good governance made paradise. And that's why people are leaving. It's tragic. But you don't want to leave California because if everybody leaves, you said to the left, take the jewel, the natural jewel, the most beautiful place in the world, and it's yours. Just screw it up more. We give up. If we all do that, California is already divorcing itself from the country. By that I mean it's doing things that are so different than the rest of the country. It's, I I don't know what, what finally happen. when I go places, like when I go to Arizona or Nevada or Idaho to speak or to meet people or to do business, it's like, wow, look at that gas pump. I can't believe it. Or wow, this Florida highway, it works. Or wow. I just talked to a guy that built a house and he built it and, five months, and they approve the billing permit and everything, you know, it's different. Well, let's focus a little more on that, Victor.
0: And I wanted to talk about a few governors, but we're running out of time. But let's just talk about one, Gavin Newsom. And we'll do that right after these important messages. We're back coming down the home stretch of the Victor Davis Hansen show again. We record this on Monday, the 28th of March. And today, I believe this show is being aired on the 31st of March. So, Victor, I'm springing this on you, but I heard on the Radio Free California podcast that Will Swain and David Bonson do, they were talking about these handouts. I'm assuming you're going to get a card. Are you getting some $400? Gift card from Gavin Newsom to use to offset the price of your gas hike. And
1: yes, I am. You know why? No, I'm not going to get a card. I have a, get? Up, I have a pickup. I have a pickup, and I have my main car, my 11 uh, year old cross tour with 150 thousand miles on it. I'm going to get that, and I think I'm going to get one for my wife's car. So. That would be, I think it's $400 per register owner, but I think that might be per registered vehicle. We'll see, but it's $11 billion. But if you had a Tesla, you'd still get a car for your gas prices, right? Yeah. And what I like about it is the logic. (laughs) We did that other podcast that people have now heard probably on madness, and this is madness because California, Jack, believe it or not, has the sixth largest, sixth to seventh largest gas and oil reserves in the United States. I mean, the Naval Petroleum Reserve, Elk Hills, the whole Bakersfield area has got, still has a lot of rich deposits of oil. We have the Monterey Basin along the coast range that we won't dare tap, but it's full of natural gas. They thought they were going to shut down those ten or eleven platforms out in the Santa Barbara coast, but they they drill horizontally and those are very productive. We burn more gas and oil than any other state, I think, except for Texas. And even though we have you know, 40% more of the population. But my point is this, that when you discourage nuclear power plants and they want to, I think they're going to close the Diablo Canyon, huge plant near San Luis Obispo. They, in Sacramento, they've done. And when you have, are in a drought and you're not going to be able to use your 10 or 15% of your power grid through hydroelectric. And when you wage war on natural gas and it's so high now, then you're going to get up to 28, 29 kilowatt. We're almost there and you're telling the middle class, we made sure that you're gonna pay, and you have the highest gas tax, excuse me, Jack, highest gas taxes, much higher than Pennsylvania or Connecticut, and you're telling the middle class, We're doing this to you. We don't want to pump gas. We have a lot of it here. We don't want to pump oil. We have a lot of it here. We don't want to have cheap electricity for your Tesla. We're going to shut down that nuclear power plant, that natural gas plant. There's no hydroelectric. It's going to be very expensive, wind and solar only during the day, et cetera. We have a battery plant at Mossland. It basically catches fire for a billion or so dollars every few months. Never has worked yet hasn't come online. So we're telling them all that. And then guess what? People are angry. And this is what I w- we were talking about earlier in an article. When your ideology makes you and your agenda hated, then you have contempt for the people who hate you. And yet you need them in a consensual society to retain power, which is the only reason you exist in life is to get power to lord it over people. Then what do you do? You go mad. You go insane. I have an agenda. That's good for these stupid people. They don't appreciate it. I need them to put me in power so I can screw them over more. So what I'll do was I will give them that dirty, filthy oil that they crave. I will give them $11 billion and they'll each get $400 and that will make up for the price. And why I mean madness and our listeners are saying, well, why do that? You have the highest taxes in the the country. You discourage your drive off business. Why not just since you're going to tell people, we want you to drive more. You're not driving enough. Now we'd like you not to drive enough. We like $7 a gallon gas. We love 650 diesel, 650 gas. That's what we want. So this is good. But we're not going to retain power with it. So for now, we want you to reverse course and drive more uh, and use more filthy, stinking, anti-green fuel. so you'll vote for us. So then we can screw you over more. So this is what we're doing. And we're going to give you $400 so you'll buy more and burn more of it. Think about that. They don't even have the honesty and the courage of their convictions. Why didn't Governor Newsom say this? I have been struggling for a green utopia. I am shutting down Diablo Canyon nuclear plant. I am curtailing all fracking and horizontal. I will not touch the Monterey Shale project. I will not do the following. And I am not going to break my principles and pay people to buy more fossil fuels. So six or seven dollars is what Stephen Chu said was a good starting point on our way to European gas. And damn it, that's what we're going to do. Why doesn't he say that? That's what he believes. And he says that because he won't have power. Yeah. He's afraid of losing power because they deep down inside these leftists are the most cynical people in the world. They know like Jacobins and the Robespierre and the linen linen crowd that nobody, if they knew what they were after, they Nobody would want their agenda. So they lie, they dissimulate, they offer bread, let them eat cake. That's what they do. And they only care about power. And we saw that with Ketanji Brown. When she said that she is a originalist or a strict constructionist, this okay. was a Sotomayor script. Right. I'm a moderate because if you knew what I really feel about you, and sentencing and deterrent policing, you would never you would never want me on the court. If you knew what I believed about transgender, dah, 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 you would never want me in the court. So I'm going to dissimulate and just flatter you and give you a bone or so. And then you'll get on. And if you don't, we're going to call you racist or sexist. So that's what they do. And this is with this madness in California. So, yeah, we're all going to get a check to buy more gas so we can afford it because we won't dare pump it. We, you know yes. what we, we like these idiots in Alaska to send us natural gas or Texas to send us oil, or we want to import it from Saudi Arabia to come into Richmond, but we won't pump it. We don't want to give Californians a lot of money or a good job unless they're working as techies for Facebook or Google yeah. or Twitter or something.
0: Well, the 400 bucks will help pay for the. The car driving the U-Haul out of the state. So maybe they can
1: you think they can 3D Xerox, a refinery, maybe? (laughs) Or some oil? An oil well? Why don't why don't we get Mark Zuckerberg to work with some of those guys at Google and come up with a 3D oil well?
0: Not a bad idea, my friend. Let's
1: discuss it more (laughs) in length
0: in our next episode. So we've run out of time. This episode is a little short. I do have to note that today, as we're recording, we are once again in the top 10 of, of all American political podcasts. So thanks to those of you who are listening, who've come recently, we greatly appreciate it. You should know that those who listen via iTunes, and leave five star ratings. Of course, we appreciate that very much. Please do that. Just five is the limit, and that accounts. Victor deserves 10, but five's all you can do. We read the comments, and here's one, and it's called Rating, and it's from someone named Cincy. Holy smokes. I've been trying to figure out how to rate the Victor Davis Hansen Show podcast for forever. Now I have finally figured it out after asking Google. Google's so nice. I'm so excited to contribute to furthering BDH's popularity. A while back, you read a review that I myself could have written. A gal commented on how she listens to Victor while she's doing housework, etc. You wouldn't believe how much I can get done around this house now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Cincy. (laughs) Cincy, we got to tell you, don't use the word gal. That is inappropriate. Uh, But thank you. Thank you for taking the time to leave the comment. Again, we listen to all, not listen, we read all the comments. So, Victor, thank you again for sharing the wisdom you shared today. And uh, we got to rock and roll and run, but we'll be back again soon enough with another episode of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Thanks
1: so much. And thank everybody for listening. And just like winter was coming, the midterms are coming. And (laughs) that's going to be winter for the left, believe me. Okay. (laughs) Amen. Your lips to God's ear. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.